Good morning again to everybody. So glad that you're here to worship the Lord. Appreciate the reading Tim did, a lengthy reading, but uh, appreciate him reading that this morning. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I was mentioning this in, in Bible class this morning. Um, the tradition in my house was we opened our gifts on Christmas morning. But there were several friends of mine, uh, the tradition in their home was to open a gift or two on Christmas Eve. Some of them opened all of their gifts, but some of them opened, they got to open one or two gifts on Christmas Eve. So I asked my mom um, several Christmases, I said, Mom, can we open a present on Christmas Eve this year? Can we open a present? She says, no, we have to wait till Christmas. I said, I said, Mom, Michael, I had a friend named Michael. I said, but Michael, his mom lets him open a, a present on Christmas Eve. You know what my mom said? You're not Michael, and I'm not Michael's mom. So I didn't get to open a present on Christmas Eve. But walking in this morning and seeing our friends, Randy and Karen Maines from Longview, it was like opening a gift on Christmas Eve. So, Mom, I got to open a present this year on Christmas Eve. I don't know what your traditions are, um, but I pray and hope that you'll enjoy your time with family. My text this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. I had Tim uh, read out of uh, the Gospel of Luke because I wanted that to be very fresh on our minds. This morning, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, it's a short verse. It's only eight words long. Listen as the Apostle Paul says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the time of year when we're concerned about choosing just the right gift to give to the special people in our lives. But let me ask you this morning, have you ever received an indescribable gift? Have you ever received a gift that is beyond description? I thought about that a lot this week. What kind of gift would it have to be to be called indescribable? Would it be a gift that you open and you look at and you say, I have wanted a gift like this all of my life. What is it? Would that be an indescribable gift? Maybe it's a gift that carries a lot of emotional feelings with it. The, the, the person that gave you that gift was someone very, very special. And it came as a, as a complete surprise to you. And you'll always cherish it because of the memories. Would that make it an indescribable gift? Or maybe it would just be a gift that you cared so little about that you wouldn't even care to come up with the words to describe it. Whatever, whatever the case, the gifts that you give and receive this Christmas are not indescribable. Even though we may not be able to find the words, I assure you that the manufacturers of those gifts will go to great lengths to describe those gifts to you on uh, TV and magazine, 
uh, social media, and they will tell you and describe that gift in such a way that you cannot live the rest of your life and be happy without that gift. In fact, you deserve that gift <laughs> because you're special. No, they'll, they'll find a way to describe it. Every human gift is describable by someone. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul at first, he's writing about human gifts. If you remember, the church in Corinth, is, they're taking up money. They're taking up uh, offerings. Uh, and he's telling them to lay by and store on the first day of the week. That's where we get our um, saying to, to lay by and store on the first day of the week. Paul is telling the church in Corinth to lay by and store so they can take those offerings. They can take those gifts uh, to Jerusalem because the Christians there in Jerusalem are suffering. Uh, they're hurting and they need help. So he spends a lot of time talking about these human gifts and he commends them for their eagerness to help their brothers and their sisters. And he reminds them that those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he says, those who sow generously will also reap generously. And then he shifts his attention from human gifts to God's gift of grace in their lives, a grace that can only be realized by God sending his son to the earth. And he simply says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. At this time of year, we, don't, we do our best to describe the awesomeness of God's gift to us. Uh, musicians have composed some of the most beautiful music you'll ever hear based on the theme of God sending his son to the earth. Uh, Handel's Messiah. I was driving home the other day, and... Um, Handel's Messiah came on, at least the last portion of it that we know as the Hallelujah Chorus. If you've ever been where that song has been played, um, you, you know that when the Hallelujah Chorus comes, everyone stands, right? Everyone stands up when, when they sing Hallelujah. I was driving, and I, I almost felt like I needed to pull over and stand up, you know, but I knew that that wouldn't, wouldn't be a good idea, wouldn't be safe. But I did feel like I kind of sat up a little bit taller as I was driving home, Handel's Messiah. Think about Bach's Christmas Oratorio. Beautiful music. Think about some of the hymns, even some of the hymns we've sung this morning. We're going to close this morning with joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. I hope that you've prepared room for him this morning. We sing songs like, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. Probably one of my all-time favorites. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. This is the night of the dear Savior's birth. We obviously don't know the exact day of Jesus' birth, but I do know that when he was born, it was a really big deal. It was a really big deal. Some of the greatest music our ears will ever hear was written about God's indescribable gift. Poets, painters, sculptors have all uh, taken the uh, tools of their trade and tried to pay tribute to Jesus, the gift of God's love. So now the Apostle Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Why does Paul say that? 
Why does he call Jesus indescribable? That's what I want us to think about this morning. I think there are at least four reasons. And first of all, I believe that Paul calls Jesus indescribable because of his nature. How do you describe Jesus? What words would you choose? How do you describe a baby born of a virgin? How do you describe God in flesh, walking around on our earth, reaching out to hurting masses of humanity? If you remember, Isaiah called him Emmanuel, God with us. How do you describe that? What words would you choose to describe that? How do you describe that which is spirit when all that we have ever known is either physical or material? How do you describe God who has all knowledge when all we have is just limited knowledge? How do you describe God who is all-powerful? How do you describe the eternal? How do you describe the indescribable? Paul says that we can't. Words just are not adequate. But many of the wisest men in the world have tried to describe Jesus. This is the Council of Chalcedon. This is about 451 A.D., the greatest theological minds of the day, they came together and they tried to describe Jesus. What they were, what they were doing was they were trying to correct some error about, about Jesus. Was he God or was he man? Was he human or was he divine? And so they came, they gathered together, got their heads together, and they're trying to, trying to convey um, that God was both of those. And this is what they said in part. This is just an excerpt of what they came up with. Perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. Truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body. Consubstantial, coessential with the Father according to the manhood. And all things likened to us without sin begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead, and in these latter times for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary and of the Mother of God. According to the manhood, one and the same, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, and the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the prosperity of each being preserved. Did you understand that? Neither did I. <laughs> but that's man's attempt to describe the indescribable. Even when we bring our greatest minds together in our most extensive vocabularies, we cannot adequately describe Jesus. Secondly, I think Paul called Jesus indescribable because of his purpose in coming to earth. The angels announced to the shepherds, 
Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What do we celebrate at Christmas? We celebrate the fact that Jesus came into our world to save us. God saw that mankind needed saving. He saw how badly man can treat his fellow man. And when God looked at our world, he knew that our greatest need is not for more wealth. It's not for better schools. It's not for better education. It's not a better welfare system. It's none of that. God knows that our greatest need is for a Savior. But there will never be peace on earth until men have been lifted out of their sin and their hearts changed, their way of thinking changed because the Savior has come into their lives. Our greatest need is to be saved from this corrupt generation. Sometimes our greatest need is to be saved from ourselves. You ever think about that? Sometimes that's what we need saving from. Our flesh, our sinfulness, our pride. How do you describe that? How do you put into words what God has accomplished when he sent his only begotten son into the world? I think that Jesus, God's gift, is indescribable, first of all, because of his nature, because of his purpose in coming to the earth, and thirdly, because of the grace by which Jesus is given. You know, every gift that I give this Christmas will be given because the recipient of that gift has some claim on me. I, I don't know how else to say that. I mean, I don't know how else to, to say that to you. Maybe that sounds a little bit odd at first. But I will buy a gift for my wife because she's my wife, because she's beautiful. I'll buy a gift for my children because they're my children, right? For grandchildren because they're grandchildren. We, we buy f gifts for our family members because we have to. I mean, because they're family, right? <laughs> no, we, we love them. We want to. But everybody that we give gifts to, there's some sort of claim on our lives, if I give a gift to feed the hungry or clothe the naked or to take care of the homeless, I do it because deep down inside, I know how blessed I am and I feel obligated in some way to give back. But that's what makes God's gift so special. He doesn't owe us anything. God is not obligated to help us in any way. In fact, we are in constant rebellion against him. We are in constant rebellion against his will for our lives. That's why Paul said in, in Romans chapter 5, he said something that is so remarkable. While we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, Jesus Christ died. For our sins. God gives a gift not because he feels obligated to give a gift, but because his love is so overwhelming. 
It is a gift of grace. And when you stop at the manger in Bethlehem and look at the Christ child, you must realize that he is a gift of grace. And there are no words adequate enough to describe God's gift towards us. Fourthly, this morning, it's indescribable because of his effect on us. Now, what happens when I receive God's gift? When, when you open your gifts this Christmas, will your life be any different? I mean, really? When you receive the gifts that have been purchased for you by loved ones, sent by Amazon straight to your address, will this change your life? Will it make your life different? Or tomorrow morning, or tonight if you're lucky, will your life pretty much be the same after you open your gifts? The Bible teaches that when we obey the gospel, when we accept the indescribable gift of God, that our lives will never be the same. Never be the same again because of how he affects our life. The first effect that he has on our life, and that was all supposed to come in one at a time. Oh, well. Now you know the rest of the story. But only look at the first one. When he comes into our life, when we obey the gospel, we have the forgiveness of our sins. That sounds pretty elementary to you, right? That sounds so elementary. Well, what's new, Rodney? We know that already. But don't, don't rush by that. Don't rush by that so quickly. Somewhere during the hustle and bustle of today, tonight, tomorrow, I want you just to, to stop and I want you to pause and I want you to thank God for the forgiveness of your sins. The greatest gift that was given to us, Jesus Christ, the effect that that has on us, the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says that God forgives us of our sins, and he remembers them no more. You see, that's, that's the beauty. You and I struggle with that. Oh, we struggle with that so much. You and I, memory is a wonderful thing, but it's also a curse because we have trouble forgetting. We have trouble letting go. But the Bible says about our sins that God, as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins, and he does not remember them. So take some time. Don't rush over that. Thank God for the forgiveness of your sins. Secondly, when I accept Jesus, I am adopted into his family, and I am guaranteed citizenship in his kingdom. Before I did that, I was a foreigner. I was an alien, a stranger. I was separated from God. But now, because I've received him, I am adopted by God Almighty. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. 
Did you, did you know that? Am I telling you something that you didn't know? Jesus, everything that, that belongs to him. The Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that the Father has given the Son, you and I now receive. Why? Because we are in Christ. If we have obeyed his gospel, if we have accepted Christ, then we get everything that Jesus gets. All the gifts, all the glory bestowed upon the Son is given to you. I hope you realize that. We are brothers and sisters in God's family, co-heirs with Christ. Thirdly, when I obey Jesus, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now that Spirit will guide me, He will counsel me, He will comfort me, He will empower me to live for God. Number four, I'm also given His peace. This is not the peace of the world, and oh, our world needs peace so desperately right now. Do we not? So many conflicts, so many wars, so many dying in our world. But God gives us not the peace of the world. He gives us the peace that passes all understanding. He gives me the peace to face anything that comes my way. The day-to-day situations Peace that allows me to look beyond the pollution of our world and breathe the pure air of the almighty God in heaven. That's beautiful, isn't it? Number five, because of Jesus, I have a dwelling place that will last for all eternity. And you know what? That's indescribable too. I knew when I started the sermon this morning that I would fall short in any attempt to describe Jesus. Other people much smarter than I have tried and failed. The Apostle Paul looked at Jesus and he said, I can't can't describe him. Words are just inadequate. All I can do is fall on my knees and thank God for his indescribable gift. And maybe that's really what we need to do this Christmas is to simply fall on our knees and to thank God for his indescribable and wonderful gift. You know, when God looked at our broken world some 2,000 years ago, when he saw Roman soldiers marching in the streets, and when he saw people looking for peace and for meaning and for depth in their lives, he knew that the time was right. The time was right to communicate his love. I wonder if God thought to himself, you know, if if I come down in all of my glory, I'll scare the people to death. I mean, it'll, it'll just be too much for them. You remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, that just being in the presence of God, I mean, physically his face was glowing. It was just too much glory for a man to be able to, to handle. So God says, I can't do that. Maybe God thought to himself, if, if I just speak and the thunder of my voice and everyone hears that, no, they'll be frightened of that too. The people said at Sinai, Moses, you go speak to God for us. We're too frightened. Maybe he thought I could send, I could send legions of angels 
to communicate my love. But you remember every time in Scripture when angels appeared, they had to tell the people, do not be afraid. Angels were some scary dudes. So no, God didn't do any of that. In the end, God sent a baby. Babies don't frighten people. Most babies don't. Babies are tender. Babies are soft. Babies are helpless. Maybe they'll hold this baby in their arms. Maybe they'll touch the soft skin of a baby. Maybe they will experience my love if I send a baby. So in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son as a baby. That's indescribable. It's indescribable. But the good news is that you don't have to be able to describe him to accept him, to obey him. You must simply come to him in faith, believe on him, trust in him. I want to read your words to a beautiful song. Some of you may know this. It's called, In the First Light. In the first light of a new day, no one knew he had arrived. Things continued as they had been, while a newborn softly cried. But the heavens, wrapped in wonder, knew the meaning of his birth. In the weakness of a baby, they knew God had come to earth. As his mother held him closely, it was hard to understand that this baby, not yet speaking, was the word of God to man. He would tell them of his kingdom, but their hearts would not believe. They would hate him, and in anger, they would nail him to a tree. But the sadness would be broken as the song of life arose, and the firstborn of creation would ascend to take his throne. He had left it to redeem us, but before his life began, he knew he'd come back not as a baby, but as the Lord of every man. Hear the angels as they're singing on the morning of his birth, but how much greater will our song be when he comes again to earth? We offer you this child this morning. When he comes back, he won't be a baby. He'll return as the king of kings and the Lord of every man. I hope that you'll respond to him this morning.